Sydney Williams and I'm Barry Williams and together no I'm just kidding <laughs> and uh we are the founders and uh hustlers and hope slingers uh from hiking my feelings and we are this is virtual campfire number 49 we are coming at you live from the ancestral territories of the Apache Pueblos Hohokam and Hopi 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 uh people AKA Sedona, Arizona. So that's not the ranch. No. What are we doing? We are out in where the rocks are red. <laughs> the rocks are red. Life is good. Welcome to Sedona. Mr. Williams, what have we been up to? So what we're going to do today, uh, I'm going to kind of interview Barry because he's the man that makes the wheels go round. We are officially on the road for the Take a Hike Diabetes Tour. Oh, shoot. Well, let's do this. Hang on. Before we start interviewing Barry and talking about how awesome he is. Let's talk about take a hike diabetes because we had some big numbers this week. Um, so we recently hit 11,000 miles. So now we're at 11,534 miles towards our million mile goal. We have 146 participants. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for joining. And we've raised $10,735. Hallelujah. Thank you to our friends at UST Solomon and Ross Chocolates for bringing awesome prizes and for making this challenge possible, helping us raise awareness for diabetes, all the good stuff. Um, couple interesting things about Take a Hike Diabetes. So we are running a, a contest called Take a Hike Diabadass to um, encourage people to join the Diabadass team on the Kilter Rewards. So if you haven't done that yet, join Team Diabadass. Um, if you go to hikingmyfeelings.org slash diabadass, you can enter the contest there. We're giving away more than $1,000 worth of hiking equipment. You don't have to have diabetes to win. Um, you don't have to have diabetes to participate in the Diabadass team. Anybody that cares about anybody with diabetes um, has been impacted by the disease, lives with it, knows somebody who has, you are welcome to join. We need all the help we can get to get to a million miles. And we have prizes like the first hundred people that enter or get a sample from untapped maple syrup. Um, great option to have on the trail. It's similar to like a honey stinger. It's just a maple syrup in a packet. So if you feel your blood sugar going low while you're hiking, or you just need a little bit of an energy boost in the middle of a long hike, um, that's a great option for that. We also are giving away a Hiking My Feelings prize pack, which is a book, sticker, and trail journal. We've got sunglasses, we've got blue light glasses. And of course, for the folks that join Team Solomon on Kilter, they are eligible to win um, a pair of Solomon shoes and a backpack or two backpacks from our friends at Gossamer Gear and a tent from our friends at UST Gear. So enter to win. The um, contest runs through Sunday evening, so Sunday the 18th, and you can winter winter. You can winter to win. Enter to win at hikingmyfeelings.org slash diabadass. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, what are we doing? We're just sitting in a van baking at the moment. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, we're in the desert. We're in the desert. We're in Sedona. What are we? So let's talk about week one. So we left. We had the retreat. Yep. It was awesome. Yep. We went to the Strouts. Yep. We house sat. Yep. We got some canine therapy. 
Yep. And then we hung out with the humans that actually lived there and extended our stay. Right. And then we left. Uh-huh. First stop, Yosemite National Park. Yes. How was it? It was tell the world. It was long. We did 20, <laughs> 23 miles. Yes. We saw the entire valley floor. We had done this before. Yep. Um it, uh, we had done this in May of whatever year. 2019. 2019. So it was a little bit different because this was mid-April. And I fully expected, well, when we did that hike originally in May 2019, we had to take our shoes off. We were crossing all sorts of stuff. We had to like walk around the trail quite a bit because it was flooded. flooded yeah. Um, record snowfall that year and we were in the middle of the melt yeah so we expected we're like we better wear our Gore-Tex boots we better be ready we got towels with us in case we need to you know walk across this stuff again which is extremely cold by the way um, <laughs> but that didn't happen none of it yeah none no it. we had there was no flooding oh. there were no water crossings that required shoes being removed unless we wanted to cross the Bridevale Creek which our friend reminded us was not just a crick. It was the Merced River. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell them the story, Barry. So part of the trail takes you across the Bridalvale Creek. In all reality, it's not that big of a creek to cross. That's tough. Yeah, that's um, a mouthful. Um, and, but it was just really cold. I mean, like beyond like the coldest water you're ever going to get yourself into. Um, so we we're like, yeah, we still got, you know, maybe eight more miles to go. And I'm like, I don't really feel like getting my pants wet. Cause I mean, we could have rolled everything up, but we still would have gotten wet. Probably knee, if not waist yeah. high. So we are, uh, we decided to kind of go back to the road and just kind of take the, go around it. And this, this big fella <laughs> comes by and he's like, Hey, does this loop around? And they're like, yeah, it does. But you know, you got to got across a, a creek you know and he's like that's no creek that's the merced river you know <laughs> and i'm like no this is actually the bridal veil creek that feeds into the merced river but by all means continue your hike and get wet and we went around so we had we went around um we went by our favorite spring and what happened uh it is now considered non potable water this is fern spring so when you drive into yosemite national park mm -hmm. If you're coming in from one way, I'm not even sure which one, how to, what to call it. Either, well, either way. El portal. El portal. Yeah. If you're coming in that way, one of the first thing, once it splits into one way traffic, so it's two lanes going one way. Once it splits that way, there's a spring called Fern Spring, which in 2019, when we visited, we'd fill up our water every day. It was, it made some of the best coffee I've ever had in my life that water did. Um, and it's a spring that it just naturally feeds from the ground. It gets filtered through sand and moss. And there's a really cool um, interpretive sign that talks about how the Kauia and the Miwok used to, or no, Kauia is Joshua Tree, how the Miwok used to use that water as a source of life. And it's this whole thing about how great the water is. And now apparently they're putting in a sewer line, which makes anything remotely close to that spring non-potable because it's probably going to bust and there's going to be poop water all over the valley. Yeah. So we were talking to uh, a friend of ours that uh, knows what's going on in there. And yeah, so that road that goes to Fern Spring is kind of all um, shut down on one side. And what they are doing is they're putting in uh, toilets over at Bridal Vale and Bridal Vale, that fall was completely closed down, but they're building this new, uh, bathhouse or whatever and the 
uh, sewer pipe is going all the way down that road along the Merced and is actually going through the Pohono Bridge, which is made of concrete. So what's going to happen in the winter? And apparently this pipe is just a single pipe. So like single wall, single wall pipe. So when the uh, everything freezes, because it will, because it gets cold there, or it goes through the granite and there's moisture in the granite and it swells, it's going to break this pipe. And what's going to happen is uh, poop water is going to infest Fern Springs and the Merced River. So that's what we have to look forward to. So our engineering friend was suggesting to them like, hey, why don't you at least if you're going to do this, have like a double layer pipe and have a sensor inside. So if there's any sort of moisture or something, if, if it ruptures, you know that um, there's a problem and you can handle it accordingly. But, you know, government being government is um, they take the lowest bid contract and they have a single wall pipe. So that's going to break. And now uh, is this the project burning. that they were promoting on Instagram? You know, I don't know. Because if it is, no, and this is, the, can't be that. I was going to say, because if it this isn't. is a solution no. that they picked over something like do good shit, right? I got, I got a strongly worded letter to write. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. So that was that uh, Yosemite Valley floor loop. So it's 20, we did 23 miles. They say it's 20, but it's 23. Let's be honest. We did the whole thing and it's, it's not 20. Um, so it goes all the way around this Yosemite Valley floor. It passes El Capitan, Bridal Vale, uh, Mirror Lake, which was not very mirrory this time around. Um, let's talk about the fun things we found on the trail. And by fun, I mean disgusting. Yeah, so uh, the highlight of the trail was a pony. We saw a stuffed pony. <laughs> I was happy about that. Um, but we also saw um, all sorts of paper tissue, or paper towel or whatever. Wipes. With every single conceivable body fluid on it. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Like people are pooping on the trail. And even worse, they're bringing their children out there and teaching them this. Yeah. And they're leaving their used diapers on the trail. Within eyesight of a trash can. Yeah. So one was within eyesight of a trash can. The other one was like deep out in the woods. Yeah. Like who's bringing a toddler seven miles out into the wilderness? And then leaving a And then leaving a used diaper. diaper this is my this is my PSA to parents everywhere. And I'm not one. So take it with a grain of salt. If you can't leave a like if you can't pack out a diaper don't bring your kids or don't go on the hike because the wilderness does not need dirty diapers that's my psa i've got more of these this has been a real week on the road we're getting to see the finest that humanity has to offer when it comes to humans in the wilderness so aside from poopy diapers every bodily fluid on every absorbent sort of surface that you could possibly wipe it on and just trash um what were some of the highlights of that hike i'll go i didn't rage stomp for seven miles by myself so i win <laughs> well I, it was interesting because mirror lake again isn't a lake i didn't realize it's like a seasonal lake apparently it, it generally isn't but given what's going on with climate change and all that stuff that lake is going to eventually go away from what oh, I understand, yeah. Really? So, so we rolled up on, <laughs> we rolled up onto Mirror Lake. So there's there's a loop. So you pass it twice. The first time we passed it, we didn't even. I kind of joked. I'm like, "Is that Mirror Lake?" <laughs> and it was perfect, bone dry. Yeah. And it, we kind of giggled and whatnot because it'd been a while <laughs> since we'd been there, so we weren't exactly sure if that was indeed Mirror Lake. Um, so we go around to the other side. And we pass it again, and there's a sign that says Mirror Lake, and again, bone dry. 
And so we kind of keep going and there's some pools and, you know, you can see the mirror effect or whatever. And we kind of keep walking down and there's, you know, we started this hike at seven in the morning and we're eight miles in at this point. And now we're starting to actually see people on the trail coming towards uh, Mirror Lake um, from, was it Curry Village? Mm-hmm. And just herds of people. And they're all like, are we there yet? I'm like, whoa, you, yeah, you're, you're there. You're in Yosemite. This is great, isn't it? Like, like, what exactly are you looking for? And like Mirror Lake. I'm like, oh, it's, yeah, it's up that way, maybe about a mile or so, but it's not very mirrory because <laughs> more or less dry and the, the looks on their faces were they, they weren't terribly excited about somebody it. turned the water off yeah the water features did not get turned on that morning nope slow start with covid i guess yeah you gotta reopen the park let it fill up right <laughs> yeah so uh we saw el cap looking pretty we saw some people climbing mm-hmm. we saw yeah bridal veil falls was closed because they're doing some construction and building around there adding toilets etc um yeah so i think my biggest highlight was that one i didn't get upset to the point of rage stomping around the valley for seven miles while barry trailed behind me that's a win um and so i kind of reclaimed that trail in that way and we had we got done we had our ice cream that we always well i say we always as if we go here like all the time the two times that we've hiked around the valley floor we've gotten ice cream because christine sherinian who's one of my bffs um requires that I send her pictures of ice cream in front of Half Dome. So I did that, fulfilled my duties as a friend. And then what? Where did we go after Yosemite? Went through Kings Canyon. Yep. We drove through it. Yeah. Looked at some trees. Yeah. Let's talk about looking at trees. Yeah. So we went to, so our plan was, so we didn't do a lot of the epic hikes. Right. Because there's a lot of snow. Like we didn't do like the stuff in the mountains in, in Yosemite. We didn't do anything in Kings Canyon and sequoia we went down to the foothills and that's just because of snow i mean we were driving through uh areas that still had snow and a lot they one of the campgrounds that we were going to stay at you couldn't even get in because of snow so we decided to uh go down to the foothills of sequoia national park and just do a, a early morning hike there on sunday so as we were driving through we were like oh general sherman Let's go look at this big tree. Let's see what a big tree looks like. <laughs> and that was uh, short of Yellowstone. That yeah. was one of the worst experiences I've ever had in nature. Yes. Um, so first, when you when you get to General Sherman, granted, we were there at two-ish. Noon-ish, I think, yeah. Middle of the day. Yeah. So, and it's a weekend, so I expect it to be popular, but you couldn't even find parking in there. They had, like, you know, parking attendants and all sorts of stuff, like ushering people and um so we knew it was gonna be busy and the trail itself is about half a mile to get down to general sherman half a mile back up you're at seven thousand feet elevation um and we go and check out this tree it's a really nice paved path um it's just generally a very pleasant place to be yeah they've done a really nice job of setting it up and protecting the trees and right making it accessible so people can see it without causing damage well allegedly maybe maybe they should have put up uh razor wire or electric fences yes so we get down there and it is just uh tons and tons of people tons there's kids screaming one kid peed his pants (laughs) 
And it was just, it was like going to Disney on a really, really hot, stinky day, you know? So just kids yelling and screaming and people running all over the place. And it was just a line to actually see the tree. And it was pretty uh, obnoxious. So we get there and the tree is pretty impressive. It's like two, 2,000 some odd years old. It's 2,200 years old. It's a, and it's like, and that's like a thousand years younger than the oldest known tree as of right now. As of right now. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. So we go in, which, you know, we take a, a walk around and the, the tree is surrounded by uh, this tall wooden fence. And um, what's the, what's the kid's name? So this Brock Turner wannabe <laughs> goes hopping the fence and hugs the tree. Now, for anybody that knows Sydney prior to hiking my feelings, you'll remember that I wrote a blog called Sydney Unfiltered. It's my Instagram handle still to this day for my personal account. And what that means is that Sydney doesn't have a filter. Now, most of the time I can filter <laughs> what comes out of my mouth. I don't filter my thoughts necessarily. Um, and I try to like keep it real. That's what the unfiltered part refers to. But this was one of those situations where I thought I said it in my head <laughs> and the no. words came out of my mouth. So Brock Turner 2.0, just sit with that visualization for a second. Tall, blonde, beefy, young, stupid, arrogant, hopping over a fence, goes and hugs General Sherman, a giant sequoia tree without General Sherman's consent. Out of my mouth, I go, are you for real? And that is both the pitch and volume at which it came out of my mouth. Now. I thought that happened in my head. And then everybody in his party whips around and looks at me and I was like, well, that came out my mouth. Okay, here we go. And I was just like really raging for the rest of my time there. Why one, respect the fucking tree. Like there's a fence, don't hop it. You didn't ask General Sherman for his consent. He doesn't want you to hug the tree. The park service is protecting this tree for a reason. If everybody hugged it, something would happen and the tree wouldn't be there. They had, they had designated hugging there trees. There are designated hugging trees in this park. Like literally you turn around and there are two trees that you can go and hug. Two, no fence, no nothing, photo ops, the whole nine. So I'm standing there raging about Brock Turner humping trees and his friend from his party's like, hey, you might want to like rein him in telling the lady that was like, like the photographer for this delinquency that's being perpetrated on this street and I just like it was too much like we're on the way down like one lots of crowds people with and without masks I'm vaccinated but it still gives me the heebie-jeebies we're not that far out of complete and total lockdown so like I'm getting used to existing in society that's number one number two parking I'm not real good at waiting for it number three we're walking down the road and there's ample pet signs that say no pets. And what do we see? People standing in front of the no pet sign with their dogs while they're pooping. And they're probably not even gonna pick up the poop, but I had to rage past them. So I don't even know if that's what happened. And then Brock Turner 2.0 hugs the tree. And then we're walking back up and there is like a really lovely paved path that is a switchback. So at 7,000 feet to Barry's point, all the people that live at sea level that come visit these areas don't die on the way up. They made it so it's like a nice graded, easy thing to walk up. And it specifically says, do not cut the 
like ground between like stay on the path don't hop the fence and then there's this whole family walking up the hill between the switchbacks and i'm like this causes erosion you're not obeying the signs and barry's like remember you are not the police and i was like yeah well maybe i should be because this is frustrating so that was our experience seeing general sherman so next park that we go to i'll get you one of those little junior ranger vests please do and you can wear that every time you go to general sherman you can get your I'm whistle gonna, out i'll get my whistle <laughs> i'll wear my vest i'll be a junior ranger and i'll get promoted quickly next uh -huh. we went so that was sequoia then we went and we found um so the, or that was driving through like king's canyon sequoia we found our parking spot we had a great night's sleep we woke up and we go to do our hike in sequoia national park you tell your version of the story, then I'll tell mine because your hike sounded lovely. It was lovely. <laughs> so tell them a little Delightful, bit. Delightful. So tell fact. them a little bit about the hike and like what it was on paper and your experience of it because you had a really nice time. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, it was one of the better hikes I've done in a while. Um, and he, and I figured out why, is so. Um, Marble it, Falls. Well, yeah. So we're going up to Marble Falls in Sequoia National Park. Um, we were the first people in the parking lot. We always go, we always, every hot tip, if you go into a national park, go in before sunrise. One, there's no lines. Um, so if you have your national park pass, you don't have to deal with going in and showing your pass because the, the gates are open. You just drive through. Um, but also you get, you know, better light. There's nobody there. You get to uh, collect all the uh, cobwebs on the way to where you're going. And it's just generally pleasant. So because we knew this hike was good, is very, very popular. We're going to this uh, waterfall that is entirely made out of marble. I've never even seen marble in real life, like in, in nature, the wild. Yeah. I didn't know it existed. I thought it was just like an Italian thing and they have a marble factory somewhere. I don't know. So, <laughs> so seven something miles, yeah, 1600 feet. miles or something, 1600 feet, which, you know, I mean, that's kind of pretty close to what that Catalina first day was. Yeah. Uh, on a recent thing, um, this recent retreat. So on paper, it seemed to be, look like a bit of, there was gonna be some effort required. So we brought our um, trekking poles and you know we got our backpacks packed and our snacks and our waters and all that stuff. And we go up this trail and it's just, um, most of it's kind of covered, some of it's in the open, um, but it's a single track. It's a proper single track trail like wide enough for for those that don't know wide enough for one person to walk at a time so if you're passing by somebody like somebody needs to get off the trail and and you're on the edge of like a cliff for a good portion of this um for ravine so you know it's kind of a little dodgy and that's why i like to go early because it's there's just nobody there and we were the only people up there and i was flying up that thing because i had my uh my hiking trekking poles which you used to call i used to call them my getaway sticks but now i call them my meditation sticks because hiking for me is a moving meditation um and i've been hiking with uh, my trekking poles here on and off when the situation calls for it but i haven't done it on a single track trail within recent memory I don't I know that I, we ever have right. had trip where it was all single track like that. I yeah. don't know that we have. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing. And I realized that I, I was having such a good hike because 
when you're on a single track trail, it really kind of matters where you put your feet because you got rocks and roots and there's just stuff to trip over, you know? So you need to really kind of pay attention to what you're doing. And then you add trekking poles into it. So now you got four points of contact. So it really kind of matters where you're putting things, whether it's your pole or your foot or doesn't, doesn't really matter. But like, I'm so focused on where I'm putting my poles, my feet. It was just a full on meditation. And it was like, nice and shaded. It was cool temperatures. There was nobody around. Uh, there was threat of bear. We didn't see any, but um, it was just a really, really pleasant hike. How was your experience? I hated it. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so the first part was awful. Like getting to the falls was horrific. And it's funny because I had, I had written, a, a, I had like processed some stuff about um, hiking and, and how it's come into my life and what it's helped me with, um, the night before. And in that post, um, I was writing about how my body moves at the speed, like my body and how I feel on a hike reflects my internal state. So sometimes I'm cruising, like my brain is clear, I'm open, everything's flowing and I don't feel stuck. And so my body moves at that speed. Like I could basically run. And then other times my brain is just overwhelmed. My head is full of thoughts. They're racing and, or the, the physical environment, there's too many choices. So like when we were hiking the white mountains in New Hampshire, I was on full mental overload. Like there, the white mountains, the section we were hiking, it was all boulder fields. And so you're walking over boulders and you have to like, make sure that this things are sturdy and there's no trail markers. There's like painting on rocks. And so like, that was a mental overwhelm for me because of the physical environment. This one I've done harder hikes. We did bright angel in a day without poles in November, which is 18 miles with an elevation gain of more than like 5,000 feet. I've done a more difficult hike. This is seven miles, 1600 feet. On paper, this should not be one of the hardest hikes I've ever done. But emotionally, it was. And I was frustrated because it caught me off guard because I haven't cried like I cried on this trail in Sequoia National Park since probably Catalina in 2018. Like I've had some moments between Catalina 2018 and Montana in 2019 because Montana, the Highline Trail in Glacier, Glacier National Park, August 2019, was the first hike that I had been on since hiking my feelings was a thing where I didn't process some emotion to the point of crying waterfalls out of my face. And so this hike on paper shouldn't have been that difficult. My life right now, not entirely difficult. So I wasn't really sure what was going on, but I just stopped and like I bent over like I did on the Trans Catalina Trail time after time after time on that last hike and I just bent like doubled over panic attack face like silent sobbing just like screaming with nothing coming out and just waterfalls and I'm like and and again I was just blown away by how that's possible for me and the insights that come flooding in after that event happens like I know what I was thinking about and I know like what made me feel that way and for the first time ever in the history of hiking my feelings, that's an experience I'll be keeping to myself and the thoughts that were going around that experience I'm keeping to myself. So pay attention for a book in the future, maybe. But like, that was one of the moments where I was just like, oh, this process is real. It does work. And also 
I am so, it, it affirms something that we have been talking about, I believe at the retreat in Joshua Tree. Um, Cassie came out for that. And she has said um, in her bio for her blog, So Long As It Is Wild, that can tree canopies are a love language of hers. And we were talking about that. And, and I said, when it comes to hiking my feelings, if I'm on a, a trail with a tree canopy, I feel more protected and I feel like safer to, ex to like explore these emotions and to, and to have them come up and allow that energy to move my, through my body. In this trail in particular, it was single track. So it was just me and Barry. Um, and we're not walking together and we have to be in front of or behind each other. And then there was tree canopy for most of it. And we were the first people in the parking lot. So I knew that there wasn't anybody else on this trail. So I just like let her rip. And it felt like I had been holding this in for forever. But in my like everyday life, day to day, that doesn't feel like the case. So it was a really interesting experience for me, but further confirmed my, the my theory that for me, when I hike, if it's tree canopy and protected and we're the only people out there, especially if it's single track and I'm not like walking by anybody, um, that's where I feel safe and protected and held. And that's where I can process emotions. Most of the hikes we've been doing since we've been home have been big open sky. So like Southern California, not a lot of tree cover. Um, when we were in Yosemite, even that was a lot of like ravine hiking and canyon hiking. So that wasn't like wooded. There was some wooded stuff. And then Joshua Tree, obviously big open expanse of sky, not a lot of tree cover. And so when I have these big, huge open sky things, like I, that's more of like a brainstorming environment for me and that I can think big thoughts and I can like process what we're doing with hiking my feelings. And it's more of like big picture thinking, whereas like tree canopy and coverage, like it makes me feel cozy and held and safe. And then I'm like, oh my God, these are all my feelings. So it just kind of caught me off guard one, because we haven't done a hike in that kind of environment in a really long time. And two, because I wasn't expecting those emotions to come up because like I'm in therapy now and I've been being real good about feeling my emotions, but apparently there were some that just like needed to escape my body. And so the thing that was interesting though, is like, I know what I was thinking of. I know what I was crying about. And when Barry asked me how I was doing, he's like, so what's going on? And I was like, I'm just remembering how awesome I am and how awesome this is. And that wasn't me not sharing with my husband. That was true because like what was happening was my body was just like releasing all this like old stuff that doesn't need to be there anymore. And in its place is the ability to like feel more comfortable being myself with my purple and blue hair. So my experience to get to the falls a little rough. And then on the way back, like we sat at the falls, I had my tea, we had some snacks, we did some photos, we saw the water, it was lovely. I got a hug. Life was grand. And then the way back, I was like, mm, I love hiking. This trail's amazing. I'm having so much fun. This is wild. So that's my experience on the Marble Falls Trail. <laughs> Yay. Yep. <laughs> so that's what it's like to hike with Sydney and Barry. Barry will have the best time ever and Sydney will be crying her face off. And sometimes that's just how it goes. So then after Sequoia, what did we do? We went to Burbank. Yep. And we hung out with Michelle and Emily. Yep. And it was awesome. Yep. And life was grand. Yep. And we had some of the most bomb Indian food. Yep. And just excellent conversation. Yep. Wonderful company. Yep. More canine therapy. Yep. And if I forget anything, mm. Harry Potter marathon. Yep. That was cool. It was nice. So normally, and this was also a new experience for me, being on the road again is weird. And we'll get to that in a second. But 
usually, so when we've been on the road and we're out in the wilderness and stuff, like we don't, in 2019, we weren't able to get a lot of work done in motion. So we would stop and we'd like spend a day at the library or when we'd stay with friends that have Wi-Fi, I'd be like, hi, nice to see you. Thanks. And then we'd be like on our computer the whole day. And so there was a little bit of planning that happened on Monday before we left on Tuesday. But for the most part, we were like there and present and not getting work done. So that was an interesting part of it, too, where like I actually just allowed myself to do nothing. And that felt really nice. We watched Netflix. We had snacks. We went and took the dogs for a walk. And it was just like, it was perfect. Yeah, it was good. I really liked it. Yeah. So now, yesterday, we hiked around Joshua Tree. Yes. And there are some lessons to be shared there from a navigational and safety perspective. You want to talk about our hike yesterday? Yeah. So we are, you know, on our way into Arizona, into Sedona. Uh, we took the 10 east. So it brought us on the south side of Joshua Tree. Generally not my, I prefer the other side of the park. Yeah, There's uh, more to for, do. For a multitude of reasons. You got Pappy and Harriet's. You got the Joshua Tree Saloon. We can go say hi to Kevin. All sorts of good things. National that, Park that Association's side. over there, yep. I mean, it's a big park. So, but we're on the south side. We found a really cool camping spot. Everything was cool. So we had done some hiking there on that, the southern part of Cottonwood Springs is that yeah. Cottonwood Spring um, with K-Bong on Thanksgiving, actually. So we'd done the Mammoth Mine and some of the cool stuff in there, but there really isn't a ton of hiking on that part. But we did find a 13 and a half mile uh, hike out to this well and Eagle, Eagle Mountains and stuff. And I'm like, well, let's do it. It's 13 and a half miles. And, I, you know, I heard there really isn't a trail and it's kind of just navigating. Um, but, you know, we're professional athletes. We should be able to handle this. So, you know, we, we start early, 7 o'clock, somewhere in that range, fully loaded with snacks and water. We're good to go. We're dressed appropriately. Um, we got, you know, our hiking boots, you know, Gore-Tex. To get, so if you're hiking in the desert, don't wear shorts. Right. Make sure you got proper shoes on because you are going to get stung, bit, or stuck with something. Yeah. Something is going to uh, go break the skin barrier. Yeah. At least once, if not multiple times. So, um, so yeah, we had nice tall hiking boots on and it, we just hiked for uh, third, what ended up being 14 and change through beach sand. Yeah through the desert with no real navigational, like there was no trail. This is a cross country. Like you're just wandering the desert. So there's washes and there's boulders to cross and all sorts of stuff. And, um, and I could see how people die out there. Yeah. Very, very easily. Cause if you don't have enough water, you don't know where you're at. Cause there's really no landmarks. Everything looks the same. You can't like, well, I remember that cactus. I need to take a left of this cactus because <laughs> you're going by thousands of them at any given point. Yeah. And it just, everything looks the same. And it's just the, you know, the weather was really, really good for us. It was mid seventies. So it wasn't too hot, but it was fully exposed. Um, and we got out there and, you know, we sat and had lunch and just kind of, hemming and hawed about it and we're like saw some old mining equipment but there really was nothing out there i mean when we sat on top of that mountain there's nothing like you couldn't see any roads hmm. you couldn't see any people we didn't see anybody else out there um and if if you know if, if somebody had gone out there unprepared 
not comfortable with navigating through a desert like that, their phone dies, whatever, um, unprepared, you're going to die out there. Yeah. No question about it. Yeah. Um, cause there's the, there's nothing, nothing there. Yeah. You know, it was pretty wild. Um, but we did find a really cool spot to like chill out and catch some sun. Like there was this big giant boulder and there was overhanging another boulder and there was like this kind of makeshift cave type thing. Yeah. And there was animal bones in there and all sorts of stuff. So, so that to, was nice. And we got to see some cool rocks and desert hiking is its own experience. It's not my preference, but I enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. It is nice, but you know, it's kind of nice if you're on the other side of the park because there's like broken down cars and there's like mills and mines and just cool stuff to see. But we were in the park where there's nothing, nothing, nothing but rocks. Yeah. Just, Pretty rocks. Yeah. But rocks. But like in barely any animals. That's how far out we were. Yeah. Even the animals didn't want to live there. Yeah. I mean, we saw some sign of deer and mountain lion and uh, jackrabbit. We only saw a couple jackrabbits, a couple uh, lizards. Yeah. Um, but other than that, nothing else. No turtles. No re- no deer. Yeah. So, but that was a that was a fun one. So, what are you uh, parlaying that into? There was a hiker that was recently rescued from Angelo's National Forest. Yeah. So, if you're on the Mighty Networks, I posted that into the Summit Circle group. Uh, if you guys want to, I'm not, I don't know if I want to ruin that. I want them to actually. Uh, All right. So, if you haven't joined the Summit Circle yet. Go to hikingmyfeelings.org slash summit, read about it, join it. Barry hosts a uh, meeting about safety and planning, and he posted an article about this hiker that went missing in Angela's National Forest, and we're using that experience as a lesson or as an opportunity to share about like how that could have been avoided. So if you haven't joined yet, go join, answer those questions, and Barry will talk about it in class on Monday. Yeah. Or we can discuss it on, on the forum or whatever. But yeah. anywho, uh, long story short, the guy goes out, uh, he goes hiking and gets himself lost. His phone dies. He's, he manages to fire off one last message saying, I love you if I don't make it with a picture of his legs looking down at these other mountains. And uh, so some dude who has this hobby of just finding out where pictures are taken which sounds a little creepy. Yeah, it sounds a little odd. Um, but apparently, so this random dude saw the story and he's like, I'm going to, I'll figure out where this guy is. So he's like, okay, given he's kind of in this vicinity and this is the train and this is, and he figured out. So he ends up calling the, the police and said, hey, why do search and rescue? Hey, why don't you send a helicopter over into this area and see if you can see anything? Because I think that's where he's at. Sure enough, that's where he's at. But I guess he had been out there for a while and he's like, you know, it's just, you know, whatever. So a lot to be learned from it, how to prevent it, how to, uh, what went wrong and what went right. We can discuss that uh, either in the forum or on Monday on my call. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. So there you go. So now we're in Sedona. Sedona. What are we doing? So, Vortexes. So we're you, vortex hunting. We're vortex hunting. So Barry is the tour manager. He makes the wheels go around. We've talked about what we've done so far for week one as we make our way to New Mexico next week to hang out with um, Mike Joyce as he gets started on the Continental Divide. If you don't remember, Mike Joyce is uh, at sweet.hiking on Instagram. We had him join us for our um, Diabetes Awareness Month um, virtual campfires where he talked about through hiking and long distance hiking with type one diabetes. So he is hiking the Continental Divide Trail. That's where we're headed, but right now we're in Sedona. So talk to everybody a little bit about our plans for Sedona and how you like, just how you plan our trip. 
Um, well, uh, I've never been to Sedona. Right. So we were going to go by uh, Pahonix. Yep. Um, and that's that's Phoenix for the non-locals. Yeah. Um, so it's a short trip north uh, from uh, Phoenix. So we have some time. So we figured we'd go check it out. And um, there's some amazing hiking out here. And so we just kind of pulled in and it it looks amazing. Yeah. Like it really is. We literally just got to town. We showered. We've seen some rocks that have red stuff on them. And we're at the Sedona Library coming at you live. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, how did I pick this? So. I have a long hike uh, planned, a uh, nice long loop hike, but I also want to do some of the shorter stuff, the more iconic stuff. We're going to uh, Devil's uh, Bridge and we're going to the Birthing Cave tomorrow. Um, however, uh, one of the locals uh, that's going to go with us, Paul Folk, um, he uh, suggested that after we go to the Birthing Cave, we go to Boynton Creek. He said it's he thinks it's the the prettiest uh, uh, trail in Sedona. Oh, nice! Um, but it, that there is also a vortex. Tell them about the vortexes. What does this mean? I don't know exactly what it means, <laughs> but apparently, uh, um, Sedona sits on these weird grid lines, energy lines, or whatever. Or who knows if there's like quartz under the ground or whatever the situation is. But apparently Sedona is known as this healing place. It's a super hippie community. There's all sorts of stores with crystals and rocks and all sorts of hippie things Yay. and city lights. Um, but apparently there's these things, these vortexes. And depending on which articles you read, there's either four or seven, four or five or seven of them. And we're going to go check it out. So apparently what you do is you go sit in these specific areas and it, what it does, it amplifies your emotions or whatever. So if you're feeling like love or whatever, you, you end up feeling euphoria is, is, is what it was described as. And people go there to meditate. And there's all sorts of like, you know, alternative lifestyle medicines here. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. So if we get, and it's also a dark sky community. Um, so, uh, you know, we may see some UFOs. Apparently there's a lot of UFO activity. They like vortexes. Um, so yeah, we're going to go, um, do some shorter hikes, some more popular ones, and we're gonna do some long stuff and we'll go see if we get abducted. So if we don't make it to next week's campfire, or if we look a little funny, just know that we probably got vortexed. Well, they see your hair. They may beam you up. I, may, I might not even be here because I'm an intergalactic unicorn now. Uh -huh. So if I don't make it back, Barry, you can take over the show. Well, that's, nobody's going to tune in. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> so um, next week, we are announcing winners of the Diet Badass giveaway. So you can... <laughs> Hang on. Laura said something funny. She makes me laugh. take a picture and that guy can find you. Oh, perfect. Yes. Brilliant. We'll take a picture and the dude that found the dude in Angela's National Forest can uh, find that's us. That's true, yeah. These are my feet. Love you in case I don't make it. Yeah. Um, so next week, we're announcing winners of the Diabadass giveaway. Again, if you have not entered yet, you do not have to have diabetes in order to win. Um, if you're impacted by this disease at all, whether you know somebody, love somebody, care for somebody, or you yourself have diabetes, you are 
everybody's eligible to enter and win. We're in this to raise awareness for diabetes. So you can join at hikingmyfeelings.org slash diabadass. And next week we have Brett from Roots of Creation and our girl Aya Saruta, who is one of our writers who's helping us um, really ramp things up on the diabetes side for the stuff that we share on the Hiking My Feelings blog. So that and next week is virtual campfire number 50 and that is the last one until we get to chicago um we are taking the last week of april and the month of may off from the virtual campfire so we can get stuff ramped up for take a hike diabetes our first stop is um june 1st through the 20th we're doing the chicago outer belt um, which is a 220 mile trail around the city of Chicago in partnership with the Chicago Outer Belt Alliance. And our first campfire is June 3rd, and that's my birthday. So campfire number 51 will be picking back up on June 3rd. You want to talk about Take Hike Diabetes Day? Should we talk about it? Give, give them a little taste. Okay, so we were talking with um, our friend Terry, who is working with the Michigan Trails Association um, for our Michigan hike. And he historically in his past lives has organized um, cross-country bike rides to end poverty and has raised millions of dollars doing this. And so he is obviously like super connected to what we're doing from that perspective, like a nationwide thing that's encouraging people to get out for a cause. Terry has an affinity for that. So I was on the phone with him the other day and he's like, Sydney, it sounds like you're doing what I did when I first got started. And I was like, what's that being awesome, Terry? Cause that's what we're up to. Um, and he was like, yes. And maybe a little bit naive. I was like, Ooh, go on. And so he was like, you know, it's, it's cool what you're doing. And I loved everything about it. It's awesome to be out there for months at a time, encouraging people to get out and do all this stuff. And also that's really hard to scale. Cause you're just one person. And I was like, you know what, Terry, you're right. I'm one person and I can handle a lot of things as is evidenced by everything we've done so far for hiking my feelings. And also I'm starting to run up against my limit of what I'm capable of, I think, in one in one given period of time. Go on. And he was like, well, what if it was take a hike diabetes day? And I was like, oh. And he was like, yeah, you could get people out all over the world, millions of people hosting hikes all over this planet for diabetes awareness on one day. And I was like, now that is something I can get behind. One, it's, and we went on to learn about how for people to fundraise, it's a lot easier to wrap your head around one day than a whole year long thing. Um, for sponsors, same thing. Um, from a media perspective, like a lot of really cool coverage can happen from a single day event versus like dragging things out throughout a year. Um, so we're just really excited. Like, obviously this doesn't change anything for this year. We're still going and doing everything we're doing this year in an effort to ramp up for now, take a hike diabetes day. So the first ever inaugural take a hike diabetes day. Are we giving a date or are we just no. no? Okay. Not yet. It's coming up soon. However, if you'd like to, uh, host a group hike. Yeah. If you're interested, cause we've had a lot of people, um, whether we were on the road or people in the community, um, in the hiking, my feelings, family, um, that have in expressed interest in hosting a hike with their friends and family locally. If that's the case, if that's you, and you'd like to host a hike for take a hike diabetes day, send us an email. Hello at hikingmyfeelings.org and let us know. Um, and then we can start to get things coordinated with volunteers and getting hikes hosted, but it is going to be this fall. It's before the snow starts falling fingers crossed for most of America. 
Um, so we'll have more information about the date and how you can get involved in all that later. But if, if right now you're like, oh, I want to host a hike. I want to get people out and hiking for diabetes awareness, then send us an email. Hello at hikingmyfeelings.org. Good. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Any other fun updates? No, not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, if you're on the Zoom and you'd like to share what you're thankful for, we'd love to close this out with a group gratitude circle. Thank you for joining us around the virtual campfire. Sometimes we talk about heavy topics. Sometimes we tell poop stories. But regardless of what we've discussed, we always like to end the show on a high note. At the end of our live broadcasts, we invite our community to share what they're grateful for in a segment called the Group Gratitude Circle. Every week, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to connect with us and witness these stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. If you'd like to gather with us around the campfire live each week, join the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire VIPs. If this were a legit talk show, you'd be sitting in our studio audience. We haven't been picked up by a major network yet, so for now, we gather on Zoom. Here, you can connect with the community before and after the broadcast, hang out for soundcheck when we have musical guests, participate in the Q&A, join in on the group gratitude circle, and be eligible to receive prizes and gifts from our sponsors, partners, and guests. Learn more and join us at hikingmyfeelings.org campfire. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, and anyone else who could use a dose of community and connection. Follow us on Instagram, we're at hikingmyfeelings, and you can tag your journey with hashtag hikingmyfeelings. And if you're picking up what we're putting down and you want to be part of this movement, join the Hiking My Feelings family at family.hikingmyfeelings.org. In case nobody told you lately, you are a brilliant human who is destined to do epic things in this world. Join us next week for more stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. Until then, happy trails!